Hello, listeners, and welcome to Two Profs in a Pod. I'm Tanisha. I'm Beth. We are both professors and co-faculty developers at Glendale Community College here in Arizona. And if you've been listening to our previous episodes, you know we like to talk about teaching, learning, and other stuff. And today we are talking about imposter syndrome, more technically known as imposter phenomenon. So why are we talking about this, Beth? Well, I really wanted to talk about this when I heard a person I really respect and think is quite a brainiac and gets all kinds of interesting opportunities. And I won't mention names, obviously, but she dropped the words imposter syndrome. And I had a little epiphany at that moment that it was maybe not just a few people who had experienced this, but maybe it was more than I really thought. And I thought maybe this is worth looking into a little bit and maybe talking about. And I think it's actually an interesting topic. And I think it's interesting that, Beth, you talked about how, for the most part, it was kind of brought to your attention when talking with your friend. Mm -hmm. Even though I, my side is a little bit different. I've been familiar with imposter syndrome for many, many years. Uh, It's definitely something that I've heard in conversations when having discussions about, like for example, uh, being a person of color in higher education. Mm -hmm. That's oftentimes where I've heard the conversation of imposter syndrome. As far as people feeling like they don't belong in whatever environment that they are in for whatever reason, even though evidence shows that they are meant to be there, they feel like I'm not supposed to be here. And that's really the general premise of imposter syndrome in general is this feeling like you don't belong, even though you clearly do belong. Right. It's more just in your head that you don't feel like you belong. So when many individuals of color, whether it's as a student, as a professor, as an administrator, uh, going to uh, mostly what are called PWIs, I've heard this term used before, which is predominantly white institutions, many individuals feel like they don't belong, oftentimes sometimes because they don't feel like they're represented. So mm-hmm. that is kind of where imposter syndrome has really been present for me and my familiarity with it. So I was really excited to kind of have this conversation about imposter syndrome mm-hmm. because everyone is not familiar with imposter syndrome at all. So there are, might be some listeners out there who are not familiar as well, and we thought this would be a really interesting conversation to have. Okay. So um, there's plenty of research yes. online. There's lots and lots. Oh, my gosh. There's to so much. Find. Yeah. So you won't have a hard time, listeners, if you want to do any Googling. You're going to find plenty of information. We I didn't even know where to start. Yeah. And, um, and even starting the research, it, it felt it did feel a little bit overwhelming. I know you mm-hmm. mentioned that it felt mm-hmm. a little bit overwhelming because there's a lot of information. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of information. And where do you start? So we tried to kind of do that ourselves. And we found a little bit of information on imposter syndrome. Like, for example, in the Harvard Business Review, in an article published May 7th, 2008, by Gil Corkendale, uh, the article was how to overcome imposter syndrome. And they provided a definition Mm -hmm. as a collection of feelings of inadequacy that persist despite evident success. Uh, the author wrote, imposters suffer from chronic self-doubt and a sense of intellectual fraudulence that override any feelings of success or external proof of their competence. Now, what I found to be really interesting is that some of the stuff that we read, it mentions how imposter syndrome can be connected to anxiety, 
uh, sometimes even panic disorders, uh, low self-esteem, lack of self-confidence. But what I found really interesting is that it could actually be connected to individuals who are high achievers, who are really successful. And sometimes their imposter syndrome stems from this sense of perfectionism, like mm-hmm. this having to be perfect. And I thought that was an interesting uh, perspective that mm-hmm. the author provided in the article that, that I found. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is really interesting. Uh, and 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 almost, I don't want to say opposite of, say somebody who has lower self-esteem, right. Right? right? But it's it's a completely different situation. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, and what else did you find out? I found out also some other information. There was this blog from. Uh, let's see, I pulled this information from the Chronicle of Higher Education. It was published in 2009 uh, from this blog. It was The source was a blog called The Lesbo Prof, uh, and it was imposter syndrome. And I found this excerpt interesting because it talks about imposter syndrome from a professor's perspective. Mm-hmm. And this feeling like, for example, you're up in class, you're doing your thing, and you just get that one question that just kind of leaves you looking like you're a deer in headlights and you feel like you should know the answer, but you don't. And then you walk away feeling like, like you're not adequate, like you're not supposed to be here. Um, and, and I thought it was really, really interesting, this perspective, because I'm sure several professors or teachers, instructors, K through 12, wherever you are in life have felt this feeling like you're supposed to be the expert And then there are those moments where you don't feel like you're the expert and you're supposed to know. Right. So I really appreciated this perspective because it's really, really relevant to what we do. Yeah. I'm going to throw this in too, that, that what you just said reminds me of this. I did read a statistic and I was going to say that imposter syndrome, uh, tends to happen a little bit more with women than it does men. Yes. And I, I found this statistic interesting and it was in one of the articles I read. I'm not going to be able to remember the name of it. But it did say that at the end of a degree for females, um, their self-esteem tends to be lower. And at the end of a college degree for males, their self-esteem is higher. Mm. I thought that was kind of interesting, too. But I, I know that the more I've learned in my life, the more I realize I don't know. Yeah. Right? <laughs> And that it's impossible to know everything. It is absolutely impossible to know everything. But yet there's people are walking around with this pressure like they're supposed to be all knowing and all Mm -hmm. seeing. And and I'm like, well, you're not a spiritual entity or deity, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I'm all knowing and all seeing like the almighty. Right. At the end of the day, we're, we're human beings who don't know everything. Right. Um, There are areas that we're not really clear on. Uh, and, and, and sometimes what we try to do, right, as instructors is that there are areas that we're not clear on. We try to fill in the gaps and fill in the holes, Mm -hmm. right? Because we want to be competent. But then the other side of things, which is one of the things that I had read actually in the, uh, the Lesbo prof, uh, excerpt that I read, she actually mentioned how sometimes we try to fill in these gaps, not because we could feel competent, but because we are trying to make up for the insecurities that we have, Ah, right? mm -hmm. And we're worried about being, like, found out. 
right. right? That you're not who you are. So I found that really interesting as well, that perspective, that sometimes we, like we try to fill in the gaps because we want to make sure we're knowledgeable, but right. sometimes we do it because we are trying to cover the fact that we feel like we don't belong, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting. Hmm. Okay. What, what about, okay, you said you watched, do you want to talk about the TED Talk? Yeah. You um, said you watched a TED Talk. Yeah, I watched this TED Talk by a woman by the name of Dina Simmons. It's called How Students of Color Confront Imposter Syndrome. Mm -hmm. It was published November 2015. And she talked about how she felt like she was an imposter. Mm -hmm. She felt like she was an imposter because of the fact that her and her family, she started out in the Bronx. And then her mother decided that she wanted to take her her children out of this environment that wasn't safe because it was a rough neighborhood so she drove them to connecticut and drove and she ended up enrolled in boarding schools with people who did not look like her right so when she got there it's a different experience right you're walking around there's people who don't look like you who don't sound like you right she's a new york girl from the bronx going to connecticut right? It's going to be a difference in the boarding schools. And sometimes even instructors really pointing out the fact that she was different. Mm. She talked about how there was this one instance where this instructor really made a huge point to correct her enunciation of words. Mm. Like, for example, come one of the things that she talked about was how this instructor corrected how she said the word asking. Mm-hmm. Asking. And she said that when she said it in class, you know, it sounded like axing, right? Like axing, like you're axing, like you're going to chop down a tree. Right. So the teacher very loudly would correct her. I feel from how she explained it in a really embarrassing way. And she corrected her and said, it's not axing like you're using an axe. She's like, think of the word ass and king it, and put the two words together. That is the word it's asking. That's a new way to think of that word for sure. I know it is. It's, it's just a different but, way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> but but if, you know, if and especially if the teacher is not correcting everybody in the class on pronunciation. Yeah. And it, you know, it, it would probably stand out even more. Yeah. I mean, she talked about that experience and that environment and, you know, feeling yeah. the kind of the snickers or maybe the eye rolls from the students. Right. She also talked about, you know, having a roommate in a dorm room and the roommate being very protective of her valuables, thinking that she's going to steal them. Um, wow. Having another student when she's, you know, doing her hair because she's an African-American, I believe, Latina woman. And um, she's talking about like putting like, we call it grease, but it's really like a moisture for the hair. Mm-hmm. And the student response, what she, when, when the student came into the room, she said, ew when she was doing her hair, even though that was a natural thing for her. So she was like, talk about feeling out of place. So she took those experiences. She went on to be really successful. She, she's like a Fulbright scholar studied in Chile is now teaching at Yale. Like the list goes on and on and on, but she ended up going back to the Bronx to be a middle school teacher. And she says she, those experiences, I believe, influenced how she teaches today. Right. And one of the things she she does to kind of combat that is that she has actually created curricula in her classroom that focuses on the identity of the students so that they feel like they are represented mm-hmm. because she felt like that. a lack of representation is a contributing factor to imposter syndrome. Sure. And she also 
make sure that she creates environment that is safe and constructive for the students because she knows that some of the students come from backgrounds or come from areas where they don't necessarily feel safe because of the threat of violence within their environments. So those are the two things she does to actually combat imposter syndrome with students Mm -hmm. of color. We're going to link to her TED Talk in our show notes. Yes. So listeners who would like to watch the whole thing can see it. And we're also going to dedicate a a future episode to culturally responsive teaching, which relates to this a little bit too, Absolutely, yeah. And then we can talk about that in a little bit more depth. Yeah. So that was really interesting, and I really appreciated her sharing her experiences Mm -hmm. with that. What what do we say, Tanisha? So what do we say about imposter syndrome? Oh, I mean, there's so much you can really say about it because it can really exist in so many areas. I think for me, when it comes to imposter syndrome, I didn't experience it in the classroom. For me in the classroom, and maybe that's because when it comes to me and academics, like I feel like that's my comfort zone. And I've never had that experience where I felt out of place. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's because I've I've been in the classrooms where the classes were predominantly black. I've been in classrooms where it's been predominantly white. I've been in classrooms where it's predominantly mixed. I mean, it's it's been like a full spectrum of things. So I've never really felt out of place in that sense. But I could I can't tell you where I did experience imposter <laughs> syndrome. Um, uh, some of you may or may not know, if, if you know me, you know that I did speech and debate for four years in college, mm-hmm. in college. And um, let me tell you, there were moments, I would probably have to say my last year doing speech and debate, I f- there were moments where I felt like I was an imposter and I feel like that held me back in some instances. That's so interesting that it didn't happen until your fourth year. Yeah, well, okay, because the first three years, I feel like I'm learning, I'm growing, uh-huh. right? I'm, you know, if, if I make it to a final round and get an award, you know, cool, great, I can grow from there. But when I got to my fourth year, I, I, I was like seasoned. Um, I was doing very well. And my, my fourth year was my best year, but it absolutely terrified me because... I was doing really well, right? Okay. So it was one of those situations where I would get to semifinal rounds. And the semifinal rounds in speech and debate is like the round before the finals. And I started, I had this pattern where I would get to the semifinal round or the quarterfinal round and I would freak myself out and I would, I would walk into that room and think to myself, I'm not supposed to be here. Oh, no. I'm not supposed to be here. And they were at times where I That's needed to really, game. it was a mental game. That's the mental because game. Because the thing about speech and debate is that it's, it's a very small community. Everybody knows each other. So everyone is very familiar of who like the Michael Jordans are in speech and debate, right? Or like the LeBron James or like the Serena Williams. So when, he signed, when, when they posted who was going to the semifinal rounds, everybody saw everybody's names. So I would look at the list and I'd get super excited because I'm like, my name is here. That's awesome. And then I would get to the room. Oh, not even get to the room. I would look at the names and I would think, oh, my gosh, I'm up against these people. Yeah. You know, and then I got in my head and I was like, I'm not supposed to be here. And then I would say things like, oh, well, I only made it through. Because, well, that round was, wasn't as challenging, oh, right? No. Or, oh, I only made it here because, like, there were all of these excuses. I never thought I'm supposed to be here because 
I've earned my way here. Right. I'm just as talented as these other individuals who are here. But then I was, but I, I didn't have that mindset. Right. And there were several instances where I fell short mm-hmm. because I couldn't get out of my head. Yeah. And they were at like the tournaments, like the national tournaments where <laughs> I needed to get over that. There are several specific instances that I think of where I'm like, man, I could have done just a little bit better right. if I would have gotten over that. Right. And I didn't. Even though the evidence showed throughout the school year, I was very successful. I had awards. Um, before my before my fourth year, I was already a national international champion mm-hmm. before my fourth year. But then when I got to my fourth year and I was in this room with all of these other people who were like, I was like, oh my gosh, it's like, that's Michael Jordan in the room. Oh my goodness. Like, I couldn't get over that. Yeah. So that was, when I think about imposter syndrome, that's what I think of specifically, mm-hmm. is that extracurricular activity in speech and debate where I couldn't get past that. Right. And how it's it impacted my performance. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I know it's I, a long explanation, <laughs> but... <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I never knew what it was called, but I know that I did have, uh, and a lot of times it would be, you know, a, a graduate class is starting that I'm taking. And mm. the first few class periods where I'm sitting there thinking, what am I doing here? Like, yeah. I, I didn't understand some of that lecture or maybe I, maybe I'm in the wrong place or why am I even trying this kind right. of thing. Right. And then definitely coming to Glendale Community College because I left a, a, a job that I was very familiar with and I was at the top of my game and then to come to an environment that's foreign and yeah um similar in some ways because it's still education but yeah so I have experienced it a few times in my life but I didn't know what to call it I think a lot of people have right I'm, I'm sure there's someone listening out there who's like wow I felt the same thing and then maybe in your mind you think you're a little like, oh, you, you might think that there's something wrong with you because yeah. for having those thoughts. But the truth yeah. of the matter is that there isn't anything wrong with you. The fact of the matter is that this is a, a normal thing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It, it comes and goes. And sometimes you feel like you belong and sometimes you don't. Mm-hmm. Especially if it's new, I think is is key. Yeah. Right. And maybe an environment so, you're not used to. So how, how did we get over those? And, so, and how might people get over that or at least feel a little bit? more comfortable if they are experiencing it or what if they know somebody who happens to drop drop the words to them in conversation what what could people say or right um well I think one way I overcame it me personally is just just telling myself I'm supposed to be here mm-hmm. right who know how like you... literally saying the words to yourself in your head I belong here yeah I belong here I'm okay. fabulous I'm amazing I have the skill sets I have the background I have the knowledge if I'm I have a movie star if I'm a movie star if I have holes in my game then I'm going to do everything that I can in my power to be the best that I can be right so but once again that comes from having that confidence mm-hmm. right to think to yourself okay I'm here and I'm going to do my best And that's all you can do sometimes is that you can be like, I'm here already. So all I can do is 
do my best with what I bring to the table. Right. So that's, that's Tanisha's way of just overcoming stuff, you know, just put the negative thoughts to the side. But, um, of course, you know, we have some additional support. Um, so this information comes from how to overcome imposter syndrome. I referenced it earlier from the Harvard business review Mm -hmm. and they, they gave suggestions for how to get it done. So one of the suggestions for overcoming imposter syndrome was actually recognize imposter feelings when they emerge. Mm-hmm. I think that's very important because sometimes we can get caught up in our thoughts. Right. Right. Where you're you're sitting there trying to work through, do work or whatever you're trying to mm-hmm. accomplish. And maybe it's hard or difficult. And you think to yourself, oh, well, that's because I'm not supposed to be here. I don't have the skill sets. No, 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 no. So back up from that. Back up from watch that. Watch yourself having it. Yeah. Watch yourself having and- it recognize it and then say the truth yes you're amazing you're amazing you're a movie star you're fabulous right Mm -hmm. so recognize imposter feelings when they emerge another thing they suggested is actually rewrite your mental programs right so instead of telling yourself i'm not supposed to be here you tell yourself i'm supposed to be here Mm -hmm. right i'm supposed to be here there is a reason why I am here, right? So that really helps. I think that that goes more into cognitive restructuring. That's a whole other conversation. Mm-hmm. But rewrite your mental programs. A third one, which I find interesting, is talk about your feelings, which some people might find difficult, right? Mm-hmm. Because some people may not feel comfortable sharing that they feel like they don't belong. Because who wants to admit that? Right. Right. So, and then the... In fact, I would imagine sometimes people who experience these feelings instead get quiet. Yes. Because they don't want to, they don't want their cover blown. Right. Right. Very true. Yeah. You don't want anyone to know. Right. Right. Because you should already be ready for the position that you're in. Right. Right. But is anyone really ever ready for the position that they're in? Well. Really? If it's a step up, no, not necessarily. No. I don't know. I don't know. That's a- <laughs> <laughs> you thought there was an easy answer to that I thought question. there was. I thought I had an answer, but I don't. There's not. It's, I don't know. In my mind, I think no one is really 100. I don't think anyone is 100% ready for any position that they're in. And I say that because I, I always think that there's always room for growth. Yeah. Right? You can mm-hmm. be amazing. Mm-hmm. Right? So the next one is consider the context which i think is yes. interesting and in the article it says here most people will have experience will have experienced moments or occasions where they don't feel 100 percent confident there may be times when you feel out of your depth and self-doubt can be a normal reaction if you catch yourself thinking that you are useless reframe it and reframe it to the fact that i feel useless right now does not mean that i really am mm-hmm. right so mm-hmm. those were the tips i mm-hmm. i really really i really really like them a those lot. are great tips yes Okay, what's on your radar? So what's on my radar? So uh, I mentioned 1984 by George Orwell. I wrapped it up. Loved it. I thought it was great. It's beautifully bleak. That's probably the best way to describe. That's a good description. Beautifully written. Oh, my goodness. It was just fabulous, but bleak. Uh, So I recommend that book. There's definitely some relevance to today. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'll leave it at that. It reminds me a lot of Fahrenheit 451. Mm-hmm. I told y'all I was on a dystopian train. Uh, but I have hopped off of the dystopian train. And um, the thing that's on my radar right now, I'm reading Children of Blood and Bone by Tomi Adeyemi. It is a young adult book. It's been described as Black Panther with magic. So I am working my way through it. And I love it so far. And, I, and I'll be talking about that again when I'm done. Okay. 
I'm glad to hear you like it because I have I have purchased it on your recommendation. I know we'll you sent me the text. Re- we'll also be reading it. <laughs> yes, together. Uh, and on my radar is InstructureCon, which is a conference put on by Instructure and Canvas. And that is in late July in Keystone, Colorado. And I'm super excited to be attending that. Some of our colleagues here from GCC are going to that as well. So we're expecting to learn a lot and have fun while we're doing it. All right. So now we're moving on to nuggets. Would you say you're ready for nuggets? We're ready for nuggets. We are leaving you with this nugget. And I'm really excited for this nugget uh, because of the fact that I feel that when it comes to imposter syndrome, it really is a factor of kind of getting over the mental aspect of it. Uh So I've had to deal with it myself. And um, this is the message I leave for you. You deserve to be where you are because of who you are and what you have done with yourself on a personal and professional level so far in your life. Stop doubting your fabulousness. Embrace it. Your job is to be the best you can be where you are now. I I also have a nugget here, and that is, you know the saying, when you see something, say something. Mm -hmm. I think it's maybe related to terrorism. I'm not sure, but I think it is. Haven't you heard it in that context? No. (laughs) You know, when you see something, say something. So like report something. Oh. Yeah. Oh. I'm putting a twist on it. A more, okay. Okay. To relate it to imposter syndrome. Okay. When you see something awesome, say something. I like to, I think I just do this naturally when I see my colleagues get an achievement or do something kind of cool. I geek out about it and tell them yeah. how awesome and great they are. And um, I I hope that would help anybody who might be thinking they don't deserve what they just got or what they did was not all that great to hear somebody say, uh, no, that is amazing. Yeah. So I, I like to say great. when you see something awesome, say something. I love that. Yeah. And, and just to tag on to that, if someone's – if you are the recipient of someone saying awesome to you, say thank you. Oh, yeah, and believe it. And believe it. Yeah. Don't say, oh, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah. They only had so many apps. No, 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 no. Say receive it and accept it. Right. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, so that's all we have for today. So thank you so much for listening. I'm Tanisha. I'm Beth. Thanks for joining us today on Two Profs in a Pod. Join us next week when we plan to discuss culturally responsive teachings.